You're listening to Supervision with a Vision, where we discuss all things supervision. I'm your host, Sarah, professional counselor, marriage and family therapist, play therapist, eating disorder specialist, and cookie lover, with my co-host, Heather, marriage and family therapist, certified together in Texas counselor, a Texas transplant from California, and outdoor adventurer. Hi, welcome to Supervision with a Vision. This week, Heather and I are talking about challenges and interpersonal relationships that counselors and supervisors face at work. This week, we read Learning to be Fierce in the Face of Interpersonal Challenges, Intrapersonal Challenges, published in Counseling Today 2022. Um, Heather, I think sometimes this article feels very on the nose Yeah, um, that counselors do address this a lot mm-hmm. um, in as a counselor, as a supervisor. Um, so the first point in this article, actually, it wasn't the first point. It was um, probably about halfway through when right. we were talking. The article kind of summarized some takeaways. Um, but the point that, that we thought was significant was that success is collective. Yes. Have you experienced that? I, yeah, I think actually all supervisors have, whether they've acknowledged it or not, mm-hmm. they have. Um, as your supervisees um, develop more independence and start to grow on their own and have success with clients and different things, that's in part also your success. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that's oh, a real easy one. Yeah. Okay. I hadn't thought of it like that. So you're saying like when they succeed, you celebrate in the fact that they succeeded, but it, you can celebrate in your own success. Right. That. You walked them through whatever yeah. trick. It wasn't just yeah. all them. Uh-huh. I think maybe this is the same though, or slightly different. I think it's why I'm a supervisor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it feels like, oh, I made, I had this impact on a client, which is important. But if I have an impact on a supervisee, I have a, a bigger impact right. somehow. Exactly. I think that's true. And I also think it's true if you look at the collective, maybe being the other people that are on a treatment team. So maybe mm-hmm. you're working with a nutritionist, or maybe you're working with a school counselor. And if you have success with that client, it's like the whole team is having those, hopefully, is having those kind of successes. Mm -hmm. Um, I think maybe if I thought about the places where counselors work, then the impact that they're having when they're successful has a ripple effect. Oh, yeah. So maybe like if um, someone who works in a school Mm -hmm. and they help this classroom or they help this group, you know, they have maybe a lunch bunch group, that, mm-hmm. um, a counseling group that meets at lunch uh, of students, a group of students. If they help that group of students, then doesn't it ultimately change how the school works, how right. happy and successful the students are and the teachers right. are? And then so right. then success is collective. It's very Adlerian of us. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you think. Uh, could we argue that? Could we say, no, success is not collective? I don't know. I feel like may- probably not in our field in the work that we do specifically. Yeah. yeah. But maybe if you wanted to get real, I mean, I'm sure there are therapists out there, hopefully from long ago that are retired, that uh-huh. think that their work with a client is their work and not the client's work. Oh. Like I'm talking like yeah, psychoanalytic yeah. back to yeah. the. <laughs> well, I think maybe what if we said um, success, we could argue that sex, success is not collective if people have different goals. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I would agree with that. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so like if I don't know, we're maybe talking politics that both candidates can't be successful. Right. 
I mean, I would think, though, hopefully, <laughs> that a politician's ultimate goal is the betterment, the, the good of the people. Mm. I right? Mean, I mean, we would hope that would be the case. <laughs> um, but the, so then success is collective. But I, I mean, just trying to think of times where someone might feel like, no, success is not collective. Mm-hmm. Maybe just if you have a different goal. Right. If your goal is separate. I can actually think back to some um, when I was working in day treatment. You know, those kiddos have very specific goals and the kids we were working with were really young. So it'd be like reduce hitting from 20 times a day to 15 times a day. Right. And that was a success. Yeah. I think that the behavioral specialists that were working with them maybe sometimes thought I did it. I oh. impacted this kid. I was with this kid for four hours and yeah. I reduced their hitting yeah. when really there was probably more to the picture sure, than that. But sure. I can Many see other things yeah. in that. What I'm thinking, I think this happens an awful lot um, that I have a teen or kid client and mom and dad come in and their goal is something like my kid will be respectful. Right. <laughs> and mm, I don't want them to not be respectful, but it just is not my primary concern. Right, maybe the, maybe right. the kid is like depressed mm-hmm. and I want to help address depression. And from my thinking, if they're not depressed and they're doing better and with their mental health, they might be more respectful. Right. Um, but, you know, like, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Thank you. That no, thank you. <laughs> right. That, I mean, I'm, it's just not, it's not that I don't value it. It's not the biggest concern. Right. And so I think that parents sometimes would say, then we, we don't have the same goal. Mm-hmm. Right. Or our success is not collect to them. The success right. is not collective if their goal is to get them to say, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and thank you, and something. Right. And my goal is uh, to improve their mood or mm-hmm. personal hygiene or something right. like that. Um, but I, I think... I feel a lot of times like my job as the counselor, or the supervisor is to finesse that and help them to see right. that actually we have the same goal. That's exactly what I was just thinking. Actually, underneath it all, you do have the same goal. Right. They just worded it different. Than, or they're seeing it from a different perspective. Right. They're sometimes often with parents, they're worried about behaviors, yeah, not necessarily internal right. dialogues or, you know, anything else. Like this. I do think if we're talking about being a counselor or a supervisor or, or dealing with interpers- intrapersonal relationships in the workplace, the finesse of helping someone to see that we do have the same goal. We were, mm-hmm. we are working in the same direction is a big part of that. I think it's huge. Okay. The next point is boundaries are everything, right? I feel like we just completely wholeheartedly agree with it. <laughs> like, yes, yep. I will now put it up on the wall in my office mm-hmm. and it will be there forever. Mm-hmm. Um, can you think of maybe some tough work situations where you thought, and the answer was ding, ding, ding. Boundaries. <laughs> Boundaries. Uh, I think and so <laughs> I can think of like literally I'm flooded actually with so many examples. Yeah. One in particular that sticks out is when I was still, I might have been, no, I think I was licensed, um, but newly licensed. And I had a supervisor on site and he and I did not even come close to how we perceived uh, a yeah. client yeah. or client's family. Conceptualized. Right. We just completely different. Mm-hmm. And I think it got messy and, and bad. And he, he was trying to control what I was going to do in therapy. And I was like, uh, absolutely not. Nope. Not going to happen. This isn't good for this kid. And kind of gave him my reasons why he pulled in a third party counselor and we presented both sides and it became this huge thing. And the counselor looked at me and went, 
just hold your boundaries. Like you were fine. And then like talked to him afterwards and was like, what was that? Like, oh, why, huh. why did that go that way? Like, why yeah. did you think she wasn't, you know, whatever. Yeah. But it was really about like, no, I know what I'm doing. Like, I know, uh-huh. I know how this is going. And I, these are my clients and my family I'm working with and my situation. Yes. They come to this agency, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. being able to be like, kind of, I've got this. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, we are talking about interpersonal relationships. Well, I thought of this. I feel like I've said this to clients and supervisees this week. I think that I'm envisioning that some boundaries are boundaries that you set with other people and some boundaries are boundaries that you set right. internally. Right. So your example is a boundary that you had to set with someone else. Right. You had to say, Outside. And yep. stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. This is my lane. Right. That's your lane. Um I think the internal boundaries maybe are the first step for me Oh, where yeah. I realize, oh, this is important to me or this is a limit that I need to set for myself. And then I apply it to other people. Yeah. Like you need to know first inside you what is mm-hmm. the limit before you uh-huh. can then be able to put it out to uh-huh. the group or to right. a client. or Well, to- maybe I realize the internal boundary doesn't directly but indirectly affects other people right like um going home and worrying about clients right and i have to go well gotta stop that right it's not good for me at home Mm -hmm. but it's also not really helping my clients at work either if i'm just constantly thinking about it and um so i need to tell myself to put it down right that's really good yeah but then i think then then the next step or how i apply it to holding the boundary with someone is that I don't take phone calls late right, at night right. or your phone rings at nine 30. You're like, Nope, I'm not still responding to emails late. <laughs> yes. Even if it's like, Oh, I can just write that one real quick. Mm-hmm. Nope. As soon as I start doing that, then they're going to start responding and expecting right. that I'll respond. Well, and I think especially in my experience, just in working in mental health and a little bit in education, because we're on all day with people all day, I think often people can just, jump that boundary or try and jump that boundary. And they're like, Oh, well, Sarah's still up. Let me Mm -hmm. just send this to her. And they don't even think about like, Uh Oh, Sarah now needs to just be Sarah Mm. at home. (laughs) Yeah. I thinking about a family um, that used to text message me Mm -hmm. and the way that they would text was the way you would text with just any person, like a friend or your sister or something. And it was a, it, there was a very fine line between, well, I'm okay with texting to say we're running five minutes late. We're yes. sitting at the light. Yes. That's, that's, that's helpful. Fine. Right. Um, but if you're texting the, like these long conversations or you're texting in a way like lots of emojis mm-hmm. or zero punctuation or abbreviations that maybe I don't even uh, what is that? get. Right. right? <laughs> um, then it, it, it does cross a boundary. Mm-hmm into something that's more familiar than what I would do. Right. So, yeah, I think um, internal boundaries, external boundaries. Um, Again, can you think of a time where an intrapersonal relationship at work is not about boundaries, like an issue Mm. in an intrapersonal relationship that you're like, no, not about boundaries. Hmm. I'm going to have to think hard on that one. I feel like so much of it always comes back to boundaries. Yeah, I can't think of one. Yeah. Even like someone ate my sandwich, sandwich in the yeah. refrigerator <laughs> right. or something. That's a boundary. Like, right. you did not make that sandwich. Right. What are you doing? <laughs> Why did you think that you could eat it? Right. Um, Our other office that we used to be in before the current space we're in was so loud 
the walls were paper thin. And so there was always a conversation happening about noise in the office. I mean, those were real boundaries. Like, real, like yeah. hey, I need you to keep your decibel down to like five. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, but that was, those are all physical. I was trying to think of like things that happen in the workplace. That Yeah. What about you bring something into work? Like you bring, you show up to work and you're already annoyed. Oh yeah. With something unwork related. Right. Like, Traffic or. Uh, the dog wouldn't go potty right. quick enough. Right. And you were like, I got to go to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but you bring that in with you. So. Whatever emotion or a problem came to you with work, it isn't necessarily about work, but is that a boundary and does it affect work? I think it affects work. If you're, Mm -hmm. if you stay agitated about something like that in any profession, really. But I think, you know, walk through the door, put your work hat on and deal with that when you get home. So like with, I think very directly, I supervise these two, but clients, if you start a session with a client and you have a grouchy face on because something, you know, you just got a message from somebody mm-hmm. or like I said, the dog didn't, would not hurry and right. you were in a hurry. Then how does it affect the client? The client right. that wasn't really about the client, but that's a boundary. Right. That you've, you've now crossed. Crossed. Right. Right. So maybe, the, yeah. maybe boundaries are They're everything. everything. <laughs> okay. Our last point is not all defensiveness is bad. Right. I think sometimes we see that defensiveness when someone's holding a boundary. Mm-hmm. Someone could get defensive about it. Uh-huh. Um, I think standing up for yourself, right? I, maybe. Do you think the way we use the word defensiveness implies something negative? And mm-hmm. it's, maybe. Not, it's not. It doesn't really negative. mean that. Right. No. Okay. It just means that you're defending your point. Right. So maybe you've, you have a boundary. You even evaluated it and asked yourself, is this really the boundary I want to hold? And then you think, yes. Right. I do. If the next person who eats my sandwich out of the break room is really going to get it. Right. That then that's That's okay. Right. Yeah. And I think sometimes I almost feel like we have to, or maybe it's just my experience with interns I've had. It's almost like you might have to teach that. Like you might have to teach that like standing up for something like that or putting a boundary out there. Isn't a boundary. Isn't a bad thing. It's not a negative. Yeah. Well, okay. Not all defensiveness is bad. Does not imply how you handle it. Right. Right. So being defensive of what you feel like is a appropriate or useful boundary isn't bad, but potentially the way that you're, you hold the boundary could be negative or not very helpful, Mm -hmm. but there could be a way. What would you do? I mean, we're, I'm being facetious, but someone eats your, your lunch out of the break room and you're like, Really? They did this yesterday. What right. a, but And so you want to hold that boundary. How would you do it in a way that's productive, also defensive? Right. I mean, I guess it would depend on how many people I was dealing with, but I think I'd probably do a very like, hey, did you know the food in the fridge is something I brought from home? Like, yeah. <laughs> like giving a, an announcement to right. all six of you or whatever. You know? yeah. <laughs> that makes me think I've seen, have you seen that meme where um, it's like back and forth office interactions oh, mm-hmm. and people are like posting notes to each other around the office. Right. Yes. I, I can't mm-hmm. think of a good one, but probably, mm-hmm. you know, someone ate your sandwich. Right. And so you take a good bite out of somebody else's mm-hmm. something and right. leave a note. It was like, good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give mine back when you give right. me mine back. Who's you know? buying me lunch today? <laughs> yeah. Um, so maybe it has to do with the delivery. Right. Maybe it does. Can you think of a time where uh, maybe you or a supervisee, held a boundary, you were defensive of the boundary, and 
the outcome was good or you felt really good about the way that that was established. You know, I think this can happen a lot for me when I'm dealing with supervisees that have other managers at work, other supervisors Mm -hmm. at work, Mm -hmm. um, and something will come up in supervision. And then I kind of have to set the boundary of either one. That's not, that might be part of your job, but that's not part of being a counselor, like different things. But then also to like, most recently one came up with the number of clients that someone has in their caseload. Too many or too, too too many. Yeah. And, and to be able to go, well, it's Mm -hmm. okay to speak up and say, no, not only does my role say that I'll see eight in these intensive care situations, like very intensive uh, treatment situations, but like 12 is unacceptable. <laughs> like yeah. It's not like you're asking me to see nine, yeah. but like there's too many for me to actually be able to track and do my job effectively uh-huh. and complete all the other necessary things that sure. are important. That are I, just- have, I have also coached a lot of supervisees through that where they're not they feel newer to the field, and so they're mm-hmm. not sure if right. the boundary that they're setting is reasonable right. or like, not. Can I they say kind that? Of, right. Yeah. They kind of feel like maybe mm-hmm. this is a lot for me, but maybe I don't know. Right. Um, so helping them to know, no, mm-hmm. this is what's reasonable. This is what's not reasonable. Right. Um, I think with a client, I can think of an example with a client or a family. Um, I had an individual client, and in my in that job setting, I was expected to do have family sessions as well as individual sessions. Okay. And so, mom was joining, and uh, so just me, the a teenager, and mom. And between the teenager and mom, they became so hurtful. Oh, yeah, like like volatile with mm-hmm. their words. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was even getting to the point where their words had a little, not like they were actually going to hit each other, but they felt aggressive. Right. Um, and I stood up, I remember I stood up, I thought, I felt pretty good about how it ended. (laughs) Uh, I stood up and I said, someone's leaving this room and it's not going to be me. Mm -hmm. And they both were like, oh, what? (laughs) Both looked at me like they were so surprised. Um, but I stood up, said that, and then moved and opened the, the door. Right. And let them figure out. Right. And and right. mom looked they looked at each other and mom eventually like picked up her bag and let and went, I'll I guess I'll go. And I said, Well, don't go. Mm-hmm. Um, you can stay here in the waiting area or you mm-hmm. could go to your car, but you will need to, you know, I think setting another boundary. Right. You Do not leave me right. right. Don't leave me here with this kid. Right. It's gonna be the right. end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to drive her home. Um but I felt like it would no longer have been very good for either the mom or the teen. Right. right. To have that continue. Right. You just um, have to set something that's a little more and to be very defensive of like, whoa, this right. is not okay in session or with each yeah. other. Right. <laughs> right. So, I mean, set it, being a model, set, giving mm-hmm. an example of what's appropriate. And I hope, I mean, hopefully down the road, it was an example too of how the teenager could be defensive of right. what she needed in a way right. that got her what she needed right i mean i'm sure mom would not have responded in exactly the same way to the teenager but mom did respond mom mm-hmm. went okay well i'm going to the car right and mom probably saw your interaction very different than the teenager saw the interaction mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that also gave an opportunity for mom to collect herself and right re, right you know yeah. take a moment um i do remember thinking look kind of like noticing the time and thinking that gives mom enough time to sit in the car by herself to calm down mm-hmm. and hopefully the car and me uh, enough time to help the teenager calm down that the car ride home would be 
better. Right. Acceptable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not, not upsetting. Right. Yeah. Um, so not all defensiveness is bad. Sometimes right. it's needed or useful mm-hmm. and timing and the way you handle it, it is, is the answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like in all of our examples, we've had plenty of interpersonal relationship yes. problems at work that we've faced. And um, right. I don't know. I think it sounds like a good mix of times where we felt good about how we handled it and mm-hmm. times where maybe there was room to Change, improve. shift. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, well, thanks to, for listening today to Supervision with a Vision. Heather and I would love to hear about your collective successes as well as suggestions for new episodes. Thanks.